Welcome to the Thought Leadership Podcast, where we share insights on how you can become the go-to thought leader in your niche. I'm your host, Alejandro Sanoja, founder and personal branding consultant at Latin Presarios, and today our guest is John de los Reyes. John is a real estate investor and e-commerce entrepreneur based in Houston, Texas. He tried many different fields, from engineering to investment management. He wanted to find that ideal job and climb the corporate ladder. Unfortunately, he did not find one that aligned with his values. By sheer luck, he took an entrepreneurship class in his last semester in MBA school that made him realize his ideal career was something he needed to create. He built a three-year plan that revolved around generating cash flow first from selling products online and then building wealth through real estate. He named his plan from boxes to buildings. Before his current endeavors, he worked for steam companies in the energy sector for 15 years. He established his foundation as an engineer and took on roles as an analyst, associate, process engineer, project manager, and operations manager. He attained his MBA from the University of Houston in 2019. He also managed a student-run stock portfolio fund and held a fiduciary responsibility to its investors. John and his wife, Michelle, started a side hustle in 2020 by selling pet products online. It later evolved to Captai Pet Keepsakes, a company that designs, manufactures, and sells beautifully crafted dog and cat memorials on Amazon. Their products provide comfort in the toughest time as a pet owner. This is the boxes part of his plan. The building part happened in 2021 when they discovered the power of multifamily syndication. They went all in and have invested in over 1,000 apartment units in six months and want to share this opportunity with as many people as possible. They currently operate as co-sponsors on the DLRX Ventures. The company exists to positively impact business professionals to attain above average investment returns by investing in large apartment complexes so they can enjoy the things that they love with the people that they love. This content is for informational purposes only. You should not construe any such information or other material as legal, tax, investment, financial, or other advice. It's very important that you do your own analysis before making any investment decisions. Well, John, I'm so excited for this conversation. We were together in the Cougar Fund. I know you were doing the, the master's program to take your career to the next level. You had a full-time job at the time. Mm -hmm. And I know you recently decided to quit and dedicate yourself full-time to your yeah. venture. Can you tell me a little bit more about that, please? Yeah. Well, Alejandro, I'm really excited to be here, and thanks for reaching out. I've been doing a lot of reflection uh, in the past few days. So since COVID, we choose a theme for the year. So we have one word that will dictate the entire year. So for 2022, we chose the word transformation. And in order to transform, a person has to constantly go out of their comfort zone, right? One strategy that I implemented this year was The Power of One More. And there's also a book about that by Ed Milet. Very powerful book. I suggest uh, that y'all read it. And the easiest way to explain that is through working out. So I started focusing on, on transforming my health this year and joined CrossFit in May of this year. And, you know, the power of one more, like I think about it every time I go to the gym, like I'm so tired already, but I'm going to do one more rep. 
I'm going to do one more minute. I'm going to do one more step, right? So what happens is it breaks down your mental barriers and sets new one. Like your brain says, hey, you know what? I, I did this last time. I can do it again. Because our brain, our primitive brain was designed to protect us from pain, right? So it's fly, uh, fight or flight. So imagine doing the power of one more every day, every day, every day for one year. So I tried, I tested this one. Uh, so in October, uh, a couple months ago, I entered my first CrossFit competition, right? And I was the oldest athlete <laughs> at the, uh, in, in my bracket. So everyone was doing their sets already. I'm still like, you know, stretching, warming up because it, it takes, you know, I'm almost 40. Yeah, it takes longer to warm up now. Um, there were four rounds. The first two, and I promise there's a story behind this that relates to uh, what I'm going to talk about. So there are four rounds. The first two, we were, the judge announced that we were in the bottom. So I was like, oh, man. So if we're going to win this, we're going to have a steep hill to climb. So round three came, which was the most difficult one. So uh, we have a stationary bike. This, this was the workout, a stationary bike. And there's three of us, one will bike. And this is not a regular bike. This is called the assault bike. Like the name is like menacing already. So this is a bike that where you have like bars that you push like that as well. Uh, and we have to burn 200 calories in 11 minutes, which is a lot. And while that one person is on the bike, we had to hold a barbell, which is 385 pounds while the other one's biking. So uh, we were we were at pace, at pace, at pace, and then 10 minutes and 30. So we had 30 seconds left and we still have 12 calories. And my teammate said, hey, John, I can't do this anymore. Go. I was like, oh my gosh, I thought you were going to finish it. So for 30 seconds, I just pushed, man. So it was like, I was like, one more pedal, one more push, one more pedal, one more push. And I even had my eyes closed. And then as soon as the time ran out, we hit 200 calories. And then I got off the bike. And I can't even say my, my legs were painful because I can't feel them anymore. So it was numb. I was there on the floor for a while. Um, but anyway, so round four came. We did okay. We don't know where we were. And then the judge said at the end of round four, say, hey, John, you're tied with another uh, team. You're going to go in a tiebreaker. And I asked her, like, for what place, third or fourth? And she said, you're tied for first. So it's like, okay, let's do this. So we did this. Um, and then at the end, we won second place. But it's okay because we lost to the head coach or the gym owner who designed the, the entire game. So that's okay. So I was pretty proud. But if I didn't have the mentality to push through that round three, we wouldn't have made it. Um, and I think that's the same thing in life, right? So sometimes we've given so much, we don't think we, do, we have anything left. But if we do one more task, one more step, or one more day, you're going to push through. Um, and I truly believe that. And that's what happened with my career. I tried, I changed careers six different times. And like, yeah, when, when we met, that was probably career number four. So I never stopped looking for what I really wanted to do until I ended up with what I'm doing now. Um, and I'm very passionate about what I'm doing now because we're in real estate investments. And I truly believe that financial independence can be attained much sooner than 65 years old. And I, I must play a part in that and spreading that. Um, that message. So there's 
a way that you can do that. I, in our space, we have teachers that retired early. We have physical therapists that retired early because they started investing in real estate. So it is possible for everyone. Well, John, that is a fantastic story. And you've opened <laughs> up a, a whole different avenue. I don't want to go yeah. there because this is not a... a <laughs> a podcast about CrossFit and working out. We're not experts yeah. on that. Um, but yeah. I, in, a, in a past lifetime, just like you uh, say you've had six career changes, I'm probably there as well. So in a past lifetime, I had all the almost all the CrossFit certifications, like the level uh, one, uh, wow. powerlifting, um, and the weight, the powerlifting, the weightlifting. I did the Russian yeah. kettlebell certification. I was oh, like nice. all in... <laughs> into into coaching and training. I did uh, the crush games in, in Florida as well. And I know about the oh, pain wow. of the our our equalizers, the same as you, because there were a lot of strong people. Uh, right. our story is not like it doesn't have the arc as yours, but we were <laughs> we were doing really bad. And the one that like positioned us a little bit better was the rowing machine. Because I feel like I feel like um there's a lot of those tests that with with strength, if you're just stronger, mm -hmm. there's nothing you can do. Correct. But the, the ones that are, I think those, it's kind of like a more of a mental competition, the assault yes. bike and the rower and, mm -hmm. and running. Uh, most of those, if you're like pretty similar, then uh, the, the mind can make the difference. But, uh, but Correct. Uh, maybe Absolutely. maybe some of the time uh, we'll talk about that because I want to I want to transition. I love that yeah. phrase that um, you can you don't have to wait till 65 Correct. until you retired. And, mm -hmm. and it's. I didn't know this, but it's it's what we're transitioning to because what we do is similar to that in the sense that, hey, you can run your business and you need you don't need to be pushing all the time Correct. to make it happen, right? Like you don't Correct. have to wait until you're 65, like work, 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 work make money. And then at 65, enjoy it. You could do yeah. it sooner if you do Correct. it the right way. Um, so Absolutely. In, in, in your case, it's investing. You leverage investing to do it. We leverage uh, building a personal brand so that sure. you're able to do it. But I want to start, I want to yeah. start with the negatives, right? Um, we're going to talk a lot about real estate investing today, but I want to start with the negatives, right? Hmm. What, are, what are some of the downsides that come with, because we know it with stocks, right? Like, hey, there's yeah. some down markets, maybe a company can go bankrupt yeah. and, and lose all your money. If you use too much leverage, you're buying options and 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 whatnot um so let's start with real estate nothing really comes to mind right like there are not like there are crashes in the market yeah. but but i'm sure there are other um things that happen so tell us a little bit about what are some of the downsides of residential real estate investing yeah so we are in the space uh of apartment investing. So we acquire large uh, apartment complexes and that's our investment portfolio. Now let's differentiate, let's put um, a line between the stocks and uh, apartments, which we focus on. So stocks is really a, a global market, number one, um, in that say there is a, an outbreak in China or there's a rally in China about COVID and it somewhat has an effect on the stock market. It also is a widespread, so like a national, so we have an international effect. There's also a national effect in that news across the U.S. affect the stock market as well. In real estate, is very localized sub-market. Take Houston, for example. Say Houston is projected to have 
the number one population growth in the next five years. What that means is more traffic, more traffic and more population growth and also job growth. Houston is number two in job growth, right? So those are the two economic drivers. So um, we have a, a local submarket for um, our apartments and then stock is more national and more global. Now we talked about negatives in real estate. So like any investment, they're also negatives. So one of the things that is not as favorable in uh, apartments is say, for example, you are gonna be faced with natural calamities, right? So during Harvey, say for example, so very important to look at if you're analyzing a property, is it in a flood zone, right? Ask your managers, is did the apartment flood during Harvey? So that's number one. Um, also tenants. Right, so there are, um, the government helps tenants pay for their rent, right, through rental assistance programs, but there are also tenants who are not paying, right? Um, so you may have some tenants already in an apartment, they're not paying, therefore you're not um, generating income. So that's one of the, the main issues there. Now, both are preventable. Number one, definitely the first one, flood, you have to have flood insurance. And before you even invest in, a, in an asset, make sure it's not in a flood zone. And then second, with regards to the tenants, you have to hire an, an, a property manager that will properly screen the tenants before they even accept them to your property. You have to go through a proper screening process to make sure that these are actually paying tenants because if these are not paying tenants, then we don't have any profit and then we cannot return money to uh, our investors. Um, but yeah, those are the two ones that that commonly come up. I mean, obviously there are some more, um, but like any investment, there's also risk in apartment buildings. Yeah, that's a good point because since you're dealing with a lot more people, yeah. Yeah. then if you're investing in a in a well, yeah. I guess you you have that that risk also with companies, right? Like if a there's a Correct. lawsuit because of something that an employee does. Yeah. You can yeah. have problems, yeah. But that's oh. that's a that's a that's a great point. Yeah, and also uh, I'm gonna add as well um, expenses and inflation. Right, expenses right now, uh, specifically insurance, is through the roof. Like the freeze that happened two years ago, right in Texas, where you know we had. Um, um, freezing temperatures, we're starting to see that affect insurance rate and it's driving insurance rates up. Also, um, cost of lumber, say we're going to renovate the property, we need lumber or metal. Inflation is affecting those prices as well. So what you're projecting two years ago when you bought the property may not be the same right now because things are expensive. So we're, we're seeing those as well. Yeah. Would you say that also another risk in terms of real estate investment, especially residential, in, in this, I, this is a question, I don't know if this is the case, but that you might be on the hook for more money than what you put in. Because I feel like in a stock, if you have like, I don't know, 10,000, half a million, a million, whatever amount, and you put it mm -hmm. in stocks, you're on the hook for yeah. only that amount and your Correct. risk is losing that money. I feel yeah. like with real estate, on the other hand, you could also be on the hook for something that you have no idea about yeah, right yeah. like something happens in the property and you're yeah. sued or um something happens right like a 
you you put a down payment, you're yeah. on the hook for a loan and stuff like a disaster happens. Yes, insurance is going to pay you, but it takes time. So you're on the hook for the monthly yeah. payments or or something, right? So um, I yeah. feel like that 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 could also be a risk. Yes and no uh, in that, yes, uh, it's not liquid anymore in that you can't, like if you want a renovation done to your house, you can't use that money that you invested in apartments and, and do that. Um, but at the same time, real estate is a medium to long-term game. Anyway, it's not going to turn out a profit in you know six months so the our investors come in with a mindset that this is going to be a three to five year period hold that they're going to have to park their money for three to five years or until we sell the property and then after that they can recoup it and it's up to them what they want to do so um, we always tell our investors this is a medium to long-term game if you need immediate cash then it's not going to be liquid until we sell the property um to your point, also, it requires a larger investment amount. And that larger investment amount can come from different sources. So the main, the, the common way is typically people think, oh, I have to have this cash in the bank that I need, it can wire with you. But there are actually other different ways to fund a property like using your 401k. And this is something that I didn't even know that I could use to start investing in. That's how we started. I used my old employer's 401k to invest in apartment buildings, cash that I didn't know that I could invest in alternative assets. Oh, well, yeah. I, I do have uh, I do have questions about that. But before we yeah. go there, uh, could you please help us define? Because I know uh, there are different types of real estate investing. Yes. Right? Commercial, yeah. residential, and even in residential, because mm-hmm. um, people like flipping houses, might be mm-hmm. one thing, right? Like buying and renting. I think nowadays they even the Airbnb type yeah. thing that people are doing could be within those buckets. Um, mm-hmm. And then you have what you, what you say you're doing, which is uh, another bucket which could be subdiv- subdivided, right? Because you could be you can invest in the way you're doing doing it yourself, and you buy your yeah. whole uh, apartment, mm-hmm. or you could invest with a group uh, in different ways. So um, I don't know all the the modes, yeah. but from your uh, perspective. What are those different buckets of residential real estate investment? Yeah, the two most common ones are single family home rentals, right? So, and that's what we were thinking before. So we were going to buy our neighbor's single family home, same exact floor plan. It was under market and I can walk over there if there's an issue. Like I was, uh, yes, so that's single family home. The other one, one is multifamily. So those are the two main common ones. Multifamily apartments is anything. So when you say multifamily, it's anything two units and up, right? Where we play are apartment units that have 80 or more units, right? So we we have large apartment complexes. And I love how you said uh, it's, it's flipping. So that's pretty much what we're doing. So we're flipping on a much larger scale. We acquire the property, and then after we acquire the property, we renovate the property, increase the value, and then sell it in three to five years. Right. So you um, don't you don't keep it as a portfolio forever, keeping the the cash flow. Correct. You want to flip it and then do it do the cycle again with a similar property. Correct. And the reason for that is number one, investors want their money back. Right. And then number two is the renovations that you did five years ago, 
is going to be outdated in five years, right? So you're going to have to renovate it again. So you, it's better to sell it. And so let's put some numbers. So say, for example, um, just to, to, to clear the lines. So if we're buying a property, say worth $10 million, 60% of that or 6 million will be loaned. And then the 40% will be coming from the team that's managing it. So we're putting in money and we're also raising capital from people who um, want to be in real estate, but they don't have the time, they don't have the experience um, and they just want to invest passively. So these are passive investors, meaning, hey, I'm going to wire the money, please grow it. I just want my money back in three to five years. So those are our passive investors. These are busy professionals who um, you know, don't have the time, knowledge or experience to do their own research. I was talking to a couple of friends of mine who own their own companies and told me, hey, I was going to buy this apartment unit, but I don't know what I'm looking at. I don't know these terms. So if you have a deal, I'm just going to invest with you. So those are the investors that, um, those are our, our passive investors. Yeah. And so, then, so let's go, and, go, go yeah. ahead, go ahead. And one thing that you also mentioned is the team. We also work as a team. So in a team, you have people that will manage investor relations, um, talk to the brokers, people who have net worth, and people who are managing, will manage the asset and execute the business plan. So we work as a team. Um, we're not, I'm not um, working on my own. That would be very lonely. So I'd rather work with the team. Okay. Okay. So that's good. So we can probably say that um, real estate investment, that's a huge thing, yeah, right? Because you could huge. you could build office buildings, you could yeah. just buy an office and rent it. Then, so that's like commercial, residential. Then in within residential, you can have like someone maybe renting some of their rooms and that's mm -hmm. kind of investing, right? Because yeah. like you're getting yeah. some return. Then you could have people that maybe buy a home and they rent it or buy yeah. a home and they flip it. And Correct. then kind of like the next level is two and up. It could be like apartment complexes that are small or it could be those yeah. huge apartment huge complexes. Huge ones, yeah. Correct. Okay, and, so, so go ahead. And our, our smallest one uh, that we invested passively is 160 units. And the biggest one is 624 units. So it ranges you know, um, a pretty big range. It has a pretty big range. And then I imagine that we could also go, uh, there's kind of like up and down levels where um, yeah. you could invest to develop properties. Is that is, is that also uh, yes. something that you see happening where there are groups that do what you do, but yeah. uh, they they go after maybe land and mm -hmm. in developing the apartments. Is that also yeah. a bucket? Yeah, absolutely. Great question. And, and we can split that into three. So the first one is, like you said, they look for land and then they develop it from the ground up, right? So that property won't have a cash flow for the first maybe one or two years because you don't have tenants. Um, so that's the first bucket. The second back bucket is the class A properties. So the class A properties are these luxury properties um, with the most up-to-date amenities new builds like less than 10 years old. So these are the luxury properties and you don't need to flip them because there's nothing to flip. You know, it's just cash flowing, right? So that's your class A. Where we are, which we like because we have the capacity to increase the property value by 
putting in improvements, which are the class B, C, sometimes D, but we, we, we prefer the class Bs and Cs. So what are these? So class Bs are typically, if you look at the median income of the population around it, it's $50,000 or more. Um, class Cs are somewhere right below that. We like class Bs and C properties, and these are like you know early 90s, late 80s, early 80s properties, because these units are outdated. So we can improve the property, renovate the property, Meaning if we renovate the property, we also improve the quality of living of the people that are living there. And then that increases the value and then we sell it for a higher margin. Um, that is called force appreciation. So we're forcing, we're adding value to the property to increase the, to appreciate, to, to have the, the property value appreciate. Yeah. Uh, and, and I would imagine- Class B and C. I would imagine that with A, there's no business model because whoever- developed it like there it wouldn't make sense to sell it unless there's something like unless they're yeah. going through financial troubles right and they yeah. really need to sell it for a reason because there wouldn't be an, a buying opportunity mm -hmm. unless there's a a drop in in the value for something like that right because like it wouldn't it's, make sense if you just developed it to to sell mm -hmm. it and the price that yeah. you would be selling it wouldn't make sense for the buyer because they're not going to make their yeah. money back the the only reason why uh, class A would sell is you know the the team wants to cash out or maybe they bought it five years ago it's it's time to cash out. Uh, a class A has different aspects in that like from the very beginning it's cash flowing right away it's typically. So the way we see it is cash class A is like lower risk, uh, maybe medium to high rewards, and class B have the higher rewards but also have the higher medium to high risk, right? I should say. Right. Um, we have class A's, we've, we've invested in class A in Memorial. Uh, and we chose that class A in Memorial because there's a lot of businesses going around that, right? Um, you want a class A property in a class A location. You don't want a class A property in a class B or C location because when recession hits, people are gonna move out. Yes, because it's expensive for the area. You want to make sure it's a class A in a class A area. So that makes sense. Yeah. Yeah. Now, so John, we've explored kind of like the gradient of real estate investing, sure. then yeah. the gradient of the residential component. Now, yeah. could you walk me through the gradient of investing? Because, right, because you yeah. could do it, you could do it like you said, hey, you're a high net worth individual, you have the money, you're going to do it on yeah. your own. Correct. I imagine that's one scenario. Then another one, uh, you're going to like try to set up a group together of people, maybe mm -hmm. a couple of friends that yeah. are there and they want to do it together. Then it's kind of like, maybe you're going to, instead of like doing it for your own, you're going to start your own company like you're doing and you're going to, mm -hmm. hey, I'm going to get investors and I'm going to be doing it. It's kind of like you are a real estate investor, but you're also a business, right? Because like Correct. I'm, I'm providing the service of, of this opportunity for other people. And then there's kind of like the, Hey, I just have this money. Do I put it in stocks or do I put it in in real estate yeah. investing? So, yeah. could you walk us through yeah. that line and also what you see as? I imagine if you do it on your own, of course, there's going to be higher a reward because you get all the you get all, all the benefits, yeah. but there's higher risk because you need to know the contracts. You right, like right. you don't have experience. There's a lot of risk mm -hmm. here, a lot of reward. As you move in the middle, this probably makes more sense, right? Like doing it with other people or doing it like you're doing. 
And then I imagine once you go into uh, like your friends, the people that know you and investing with you probably have a better return than putting their money in just in stocks or in a fund, uh, right? And then yeah. there's kind of like the, the last tier, which is just like, hey, I'm just investing in a real estate um, fund to just to diversify my investments, but I'm really not getting such a big return. Um, yeah. So uh, so could you walk us through a little yeah. bit that gradient and kind of like pros and cons in, in each Dude, of those spots? I, I love how you describe it because that's how I would describe it too. Um, so let's start with the end in mind. So for me and my wife, Michelle, we want to have, we want to own our own apartment building outright. That's maybe a, a five-year, maybe a 10-year plan. And people who do that keep the apartment just for cash flow. You know, they not, no other people invest in it. It's just theirs for cash flow. So those are, like you said, you have to know um, the banks. You have to have your own property manager or maybe you do it on your own. Um, but you have to have a pretty good amount of capital to own an apartment building as well uh, outright. So that's kind of our end goal. So that's um, people who own apartments outright get it for, for the cash flow, right? And appreciation, of course, when they sell it. Now let's focus, let's move into um, a group of investors now. And these group of investors, you can split it into two. Um, this middle portion, this middle bucket is called a syndication, right? Syndication is what we're doing. We acquire a property, say five of us, um, five main or active investors or called, or we also call ourselves the G general partners or GP. So active investors, GP are all the same. So we're going to be the ones managing the asset. We find the asset, we underwrite it. We talk to the brokers, talk to the bank, find insurance. We do all that stuff, due diligence until we close the property. So that's the active team. Okay. Now uh, let's say there's five active members and these active members need to raise capital of say right now it's about 40 percent uh so other than their investment they raise capital from passive investors now who are these passive investors our passive investors are busy professionals people who pay a lot in taxes um people who have cash but don't know what to do with it um and people who are you know wanted to diversify out of the stock market right so we have passive investors here they invest with us. We come up with a down payment and then we acquire the property and then we keep it for three to five years. Now, what is the benefit of being a passive investor? So there are three main ones. So as a passive investor, they get dividends or distributions every three months. So you have that dividend every three months. It's about 45% now. It was much higher before the interest rate hike, but they get, quarterly distributions, when the market conditions are, are great, then yeah, they, they get distributions. But um, if expenses go up, like right now, it's better if the active members just keep cash right now, just, just in case things get worse. Um, okay, three months. And then at the end, when the property appreciates in value, the active team sells it, and then they get a big chunk of return, right? The last one is tax incentive. And this is how, when you, when you see people not paying taxes through real estate, this is, I can't say it's a loophole, but it's actually a tax incentive. 
Why? The government gives you a tax incentive if you provide two things as a company, provide jobs, provide housing. And we're here, we provide housing. There's a, uh, a portion in the tax code code called bonus depreciation. And I'm gonna try to explain this the simplest way possible. So bonus depreciation allows you to deduct a large percentage of your investment and take it as a loss all in year one. So you have a huge massive loss in year one. And 2022 is the last year where you can have 100% of loss in year one. So, okay, so you have this loss year one in your tax document. And say you have other passive investments that you have to pay capital gains on. What you can do is instead of paying taxes, you can offset this loss to eliminate those taxes that you're paying. Essentially, you're not paying uh, taxes on your passive income. So that's a lot of our investors are doing that just because of the tax incentive. Um, so yeah, so just in summary, as a passive investor, you get uh, dividend distribution, uh, depending on the market condition, obviously. You have capital gains when you sell the property and you can have tax incentive to reduce a big portion of your cash, right? So that's the syndication business, right? Um, and then the last portion is an investor that wants to diversify um, through real estate, but they uh, they invest in like a CrowdStreet or Fundrise kind of deal, right? Smaller investments, um, small returns. Now, um, we, let's talk about returns as well. In a syndication business versus a stock market, I, I actually look at the graphs. So, and, and you may know this as well, since the, uh, the S&P 500, since its inception, it has returned 11.8%, like since historic, historical numbers. In the past 20 years, it dropped down to 9.8%. That's without inflation, right? In apartments, we typically see anywhere within the 15 to 18%, maybe even 20% for some really good deals per year. So you get a 20% return um, per year on your on your invested capital. So those are the two uh, comparisons that we- Is that- is that a combination of the cash flow plus the at the end? Okay. Correct. Yeah, okay. and and that's average annualized, right? Because the dividends that you get every quarter is, uh, like I said, four to five percent, but the big chunk is when you sell the property. Okay. Right. If you annualize that, then that's where you get your thirteen to eighteen percent. So I guess then the downside for someone, like of course, if you're an active manager, there's a lot of like. If you're an active manager, you're not investing, you're running a business, right? Both. Yeah. You're investing as I well mean, I mean, you're, you're running a business. Yeah. yeah. You're investing like any business right. owner, but it, but yeah. it like, it should be described as you're, you're an entrepreneur, right? Like you have to deal with hiring people yeah. like, and there's a ton of risks then. Oh. And then if you're on the, on the investor side, yeah. um, the risk, which, which I would think is like, and I have a question about that, but okay, if yeah. you're going to make 20% versus 11, 10 or yeah. nine, yeah, it's an, it's a no brainer. But mm -hmm. what I'm thinking is like the risk is the risk from a limited partner would be either you have to trust and know the person, the oh, active yeah. managers, of course. Yeah. Right. Like yeah. uh, more yeah. than mm -hmm. like more than like it requires a, a deeper level of due diligence and research than just putting your money on Facebook. 
yeah. right? Like yeah. you, you really yeah. need to know this person. Um, you have to do the research. And then the other downside would also be like stocks that you don't, and, and you're, you're a limited partner, you, you don't have a say on that that much. Yeah. But the other risk would be selling at a, at a bad price because you didn't manage your cash flow or something unexpected mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. happened, which could happen in the, like people lose money in the, in the stock market, not because of the stock market, but they make bad decisions, right? Because if you, if you diversify properly and you um, buy low and sell high and you don't let your emotions yeah. kick in, you yeah. should make that average, right? Like, I'm not going to say you're going to be rich, but you should make the average. Yeah. You're going to be, be, you're going to be below average. If you make bad decisions, I'm thinking in real estate, you're going to be below average if you invest with a bad manager that like yeah. I don't know vessels money or whatever, or they didn't do a good job with their managing and they and you have to go out at a at a time where it doesn't make yeah. sense, right? Yeah, yeah. And and I love how you, I love how you describe it. You're actually you're right. You're investing in a business because you have to run this property, um, and when you invest, you're actually buying uh, a stock of the company that owns the property, right? Um, so you're an investor, as an investor, you're actually investing in a business to, to grow this property because you have you know, project managers to execute the business plan. You have property managers, you have tenants that pay rent. So you're investing in the business as well. Um, when you invest, and this is how we're doing it, you first vet the team. That is the first thing that you got to look. After you vet the team, you're going to look at the market. And then that's the only time you look at the property. That's how we do it. Um, if, if you don't mind, I can, I have a, if your listeners are interested, I created a checklist that saved us from losing money on a deal. And this checklist is pretty extensive. Say, because this property didn't check off these items we're not going to invest so mm. i can i can share that with your with your listeners as well but this saved us a lot of money um now how do you know so it's no like and trust right so you gotta know like and trust the 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 active managers these active managers need to have a good track record meaning they've bought and sold properties they have the good track record and you want a active manager that is transparent and communicative mm -hmm. right there is a i was talking to a friend of mine and he said that i invested in a property in oklahoma they held it for five years i only made 13 percent return which is very low instead of 80 percent 80 percent but he said you know what i'm going to invest with that manager again because we had so many unexpected things happen we have uh, uh, natural calamities we have rising costs and he said he communicated every step of the way he was very honest we have problems this is what we're doing and because of that i'm going to invest again with him and that's you know that's how we we when people talk about this that's the one word that we want them to think transparency we're transparent mm -hmm. because transparency builds trust right and if you have trust for a longer period of time, then you build long-term relationships. And the number one currency of relationships is time, right? So if mm -hmm. we have that, uh, we build strong relationships, 
what we want is to have a core group of investors that will invest on every deal with us moving forward. So we think long-term, it's not a one and done um, deal for us. Um, but yeah, you're right. So you have to vet the, the, the team that manages the property, then the market, and then the property. Yeah. Yeah. And we'll link to, we'll link to the, the, this, the checklist that you mentioned. Yeah. Now, John, if, if anyone's listening, yeah. you're thinking, okay, stocks versus real estate investing mm -hmm. so far real estate investing sounds great right yeah. like you have you have better returns yeah. you have cash flow why is it that most people are not doing it yet because you for example i know there's different levels to this and and yeah. the sophistication of the investor but you hear a lot of people talk about stocks and and we talk yeah. about this um all the time because of the cougar fund um People think that just because they can buy a stock, they can compete. And, and yeah. the, the example I always give, it's kind of like, it's like jumping in the ring with with a boxer or going one-on-one -on -one against LeBron James. Uh -huh. you, you don't yeah. see it, but on the other side of, of of that trade that you are doing, there's like uh -huh. professionals doing it. You're going to yeah. gonna get punched in the mouth if you, you don't know what you're <laughs> doing. But still, you listen to a lot of people like, I bought this, I bought that. It's kind of like yeah. a general thing. Uh, to invest in stocks and, and people yeah. do it. Uh, why is it that if real estate is such a great deal, why don't we hear more people talking about real estate deals and investing like stocks? Okay. Um, there's common misconception about real estate, which I'm going to get into. Um, I want to talk more about stocks first because you and I both traded stocks for other people And that was, uh, that was quite the experience. One of the best experience I've had. Uh, just full disclosure, we still own stocks. We have a diversified portfolio of real estate and stocks. Now, stocks is the most common investment asset class and 40% of Americans own stocks. Um, it's easy. It's, it's, uh, and you can invest a small amount. Now, I'm going to share my experience why I didn't think I could invest in real estate especially in apartments. When so I walk my dog every day past an apartment and a couple of years ago, I said, this would be really cool to be part investor in apartments. And then I found out about the power of apartment syndication. And I was talking to a family friend who serendipitously we met in Mount Zion in one of our trips. And we, we started talking about it and I asked them, so, Are you saying, after they explained the, the concept, are you saying that I don't need half a million dollars or a million dollars to invest in, to be a part owner of an apartment? I said, yes. Okay. And are you also saying I can use my 401k to invest in alternative assets? I said, yes. And my last question was, are you also saying that I can stay in one of the apartment units for free? I was like, no, that's not part of the deal. You cannot do that. <laughs> But um, yeah, so think that the barrier for entry is too high, like unachievable. It is higher, but it's not unachievable at all. So, and, and that's the, the, the mental um, barrier that, um, you know, that, that prevented us back then from investing in real estate. We think it was hard. We think it was expensive and we thought it was high risk, honestly. But yeah, and, and that's one of the, the few reasons why people, don't invest in real estate. And, and the last piece is they just don't, don't know that they can. 
Mm-hmm. You know, it's it's breaking that mental barrier of, hey, you can actually do this. You can be part of a hundred plus unit or 600 plus unit department. And you can, you know, you can be proud and show this to your, your kids or your parents and drive them by there. Hey, I'm a part owner of this apartment. You know, but you can't stay in it, but I'm a part owner. So. Yeah. yeah. Uh, I think there's a, a big mental barrier and lack of awareness um, of alternative assets in the market. And that's why not a lot of people are investing. No, that's a good point. Now, do you know the numbers? Because you mentioned yeah. um, 40% of American own stocks. Do you know what that number is for real estate investing? No, I wish I did. That's actually a okay. good question because there's yeah. a lot of there's commercial and yeah. Because I think you would know there how big the opportunity, because if that number is like 5%, it's like, oh my God, how much opportunity, right? For people to actually learn about this. Yeah. But if it's like 35, it's like, oh, we're close to to, Correct. to getting there. Um, I, I do have a graph that I, I will share with you. I, I just can't remember, but uh, yeah, okay. I saved it. So Now let's say, let's say we're going through this conversation and I'm thinking, let's use me as an example. I'm like, this yeah. makes so much sense, right? Yeah. You're talking about the the um, um, diminishing your tax liability, yeah. With with what you talked about, then also I know you can diminish it by if you sell it, you just buy a bigger property, yeah. And, and then and then you keep uh, deferring tax, yeah. Um. So, in my head, I'm like, this all sounds great. So if I ask you, hey, John, how much how much money do I need to get started? What would you yeah. tell me? I want to yeah. invest. How much money do I yeah. need? What do I need? What would it's you? Not what half would a you million dollars. Um, okay. The minimum is typically $50,000, $50,000. And like I said, people either wire it or use their 401k to invest in alternative assets. It has to be an old employer's 401k. Um, is it 50k yeah, so- because uh, someone like you who's managing, you don't want like people just a thousand because it would be just troublesome yeah, managing a bunch of people? Or is it 50k because of some SEC rules that you have to have a certain level of income to be able to invest in it. It's a matter of the the complication of having more investors. And we have to talk about the type of investors as well. There, we, we only accept two types, accredited or sophisticated, right? So accredited investors have a net worth of say over a million dollars or make an income of 200 to 300K, right? The other one are sophisticated investors. And this is the, the, you have to know the merits and risks of the investment. So it's not like we can accept any investment from anyone. They have to be a sophisticated investor. They understand the concept and they've invested in other asset vehicles as well. So stocks, and maybe they have some real estate, but they understand the risks and rewards. Um, and the threshold is like this, just to filter out, um, you know, as a natural filter for people yeah. who, uh, don't know what they're getting into. So legally, how does it work? I know like we're not lawyers, so this yeah. is, this is not valid, but, um, yeah. to, uh, to the general public, but, uh, I know for example, like, okay, to be an accredited investor, yeah. um, we know in, in for the Cougar fund, it's like 200 K plus yeah. or a million in assets that's kind mm-hmm. of like clear defined Correct. how do you like is that something that the sec uh has some some way of like how do you determine who is yeah. a sophisticated investor yeah what are the parameters because like for example a, i let's say let's yeah. say i want to invest with you i don't qualify yet for right. the accredited investor accredited. 
Yeah. But I'm like, hey, I want to invest. Like, how would yeah. I know if I qualify for the sophisticated oh. one so that I'm able to invest? Yeah. The there are deals that are purely accepting accredited investors. There are deals, this is uh, typically where we play, um, that accept sophisticated investors and accredited investors. So in one deal, the, the one where we typically uh, play in is called 506B, as in beta, 506B, we can accept up to 35 sophisticated investors. Oh, and if you're an accredited investor, we can have an unlimited amount. For the other type, which is 506C, who only, which only accepts accredited investor, you have to submit uh, the certification that you are an accredited investor. Oh, okay. Right. But we typically do the 506B just so we can include sophisticated investor. And, and honestly, that's how we started. We, uh, we were a sophisticated investor when we started. So that is on your side, I guess, the legalities and, and, and everything Correct. it's on, like, I would just, like, if I tell you, Hey, John, I'm not an accredited, but uh, I want to invest with you. Uh, yeah. Here's 50 K. I would just give you the money. I'm sure just like we have to sign a contract or something, sure, but, absolutely. but, but the legalities of showing that I'm sophisticated, like it's up on you and, and the way you structure yeah. the deal, not necessarily on me as an investor. Is that correct? Correct. There are, yeah. Uh, there are two buckets. One is uh, you can do sophisticated and accredited, and one is just purely accredited. Okay. Um, but okay. yeah, and and that's how you structure the deal. It's in the legal contract. This is this type of deal, and then the other one is just accredited investors. Okay. Good. I was then, wondering because uh, uh, I've seen I've seen a lot of people like Grant Cardone and other people offer deals yeah. to not yeah. accredited, and I'm thinking because yeah. I know I know of course because the Cougar Fund we know a little yeah. bit, so I'm like, how are they accepting less? like this amounts of money yeah, and yeah. Um, they're not checking oh. if people are it. Uh, so that makes sense. What you said that it's like, because there's a vehicle where you can get it and yeah. it's up to you to, cause I guess in your case, it's like, Hey, I, I'm not a big company. I, I don't want to be dealing with calls yeah. with people who just gave me like a thousand bucks or 5,000. I want to make sure that it's like yeah. people who are just going to give you the money and let me do Correct. what I know how to do. Um, but you yeah. were going to say something. And Go ahead. The, the other kicker there too is, for the sophisticated plus accredited type of deal, you cannot advertise that. You mm. cannot put it on Facebook. And the people that can invest in your deal are the people that you know already. There, there are SEC guidelines that you know already before you have a deal. It's not deal. like, hey, oh, I met okay. you at the network. We have a deal. Here's the deal. Can you invest? No, it's not like that. You have to have pre-existing relationships with these sophisticated and accredited investors. Okay. The other type of deal, the purely accredited, you can blast that on LinkedIn and Facebook and Instagram. And that's what Grant Cardone is doing. I think that's what he's doing yeah. for, for some of the deal, yeah. mainly accredited investors. Yeah. Oh, and that makes so much sense because then yeah. you're protecting the investor by pre, yeah, for sure. with a pre-existing relationship, you mm -hmm. should know a little bit more about the person to Absolutely. versus like if someone is great at marketing and sales yeah. and they just like get your money yes. into something that you don't really understand if your money's going to yeah. be stuck there for years, that, Correct. that makes a lot of sense. And now I understand. There's a big alignment in this, again, this pool of five uh, uh, sophisticated and accredited investor. There should be an alignment in goals. Like we say, Hey, you know what? This is the dividend that you're going to get. This is the cash flow. 
you're not going to get it until, you know, later on, are you okay with this or not? Um, we're buying this property. If this is aligned with, with what you want, then great. But if not, if this is, the, so, and this is what I tell my friends as well. If this deal is going to put a dent in our friendship, if this turns out bad, then this is probably not the right deal for, for us, right? I'm, I'm honest like that. Like I said, I'm transparent. I mean, it's it's uncommon, but it happens still, you know? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um. So again, I'm, everything I'm seeing and learning about real estate is that it's a great opportunity. Yeah. Now, what would you say it's a learning curve? Let's say instead of me asking you, hey, John, I want to invest with you. I ask yeah. you, hey, John, I want to do what you're doing. Could you mentor me through starting my yeah. own real estate investment company? What would yeah. your, if you were building, just like you have that checklist that it's mm -hmm. great to um, have like screen properties, mm -hmm. what would your checklist or your plan, your mentoring plan would be if I asked you that question? Okay, first, um, I don't know. You need to use this checklist and learn how to screen properties. Mm -hmm. Then you need like a great property manager or these are the skills you're going to need. Like yeah. what would that plan look like if I asked you that question and you were going to mentor me uh, as another yeah. um, real yeah. estate investor? The, so are you talking about passive or active? Active. Let's say like, active. hey, I want to okay. do exactly what you're doing. I want to start my own fund syndication uh, yeah. to, to, I'm excited. I, that's exactly what I want to do. I know we would be kind of like, let's say we would be competitors, but let's yeah. say you're like, yeah, I mean, cause I, I believe in abundance. I believe in what you're doing. I actually want to help you uh, yeah. do the same thing. What would yeah. that development, like, what would you recommend me? Um, I know this is a huge question, yeah. but let's, um, let's say you, you're going to uh, give me a plan of like, Hey, read these books, do this, and know, and these are the skills that you're going to need because you're going to face these challenges. Like, what? Okay. The best accelerator of education that I found is getting a coach. So that is the first step. And that's what we did. We got a coach. Um, we joined. So we got a coach and we joined a community. Right. So that, uh, so we joined a coaching program in uh, Dallas and we were surrounded by people that have been doing this are successful and are generous in sharing their time and knowledge and why do I say start with this step this because a lot of it is gonna come from your mind it's it's all a mental thing because you're you're like like what happened with us this year we transformed from one to another with the help of a community, with the help of your coach, the guidance of your coach, you can create a completely different mindset and go after this goal. So that is your base foundation, right? Um, the second is take courses. After you, you, you get your coaching, do the modules and actually um, invest in some passive deals. And that is one of the best ways to learn the hands-on experience of the asset. Because after you invest passively, you get monthly newsletters and say, hey, you know what? This is our financials. You see what's going on in the property. Tenants, and you can yeah. tell a lot. Yeah, yeah. And so, and, and that's one of the best ways to do it. Um, so Yeah, it would be kind of like shadowing, right? Because you're yes. seeing everything that's going on, yeah. but you don't necessarily make the decisions. 
Absolutely. So invest in a few of those. Invest in multiple in different markets. Um, honestly, we're we're all in Houston because Houston is a great market for population growth, job growth, and we have the Houston Astros. How can you not invest in Houston, right? Yeah. Um, so yeah, we have five properties in Houston, but yeah, try it with different markets, sub markets. So try to invest in different states, different sub markets. Um, and then attend a lot of networking events to get your name out there, right? So that's number four. In every event that, or any networking event that you can, show up. I don't know if you know this, but I am internally, I'm a huge introvert. I'm a huge introvert. And now I'm here in in a multifamily syndication. So believe it or not, we took a test of, with 50 people, my, my, my entire team of introvert, extrovert. And I was on the very left most part of the introvert scale. I was that number one person, the, the most introvert out of the 50. And now I'm doing this. But at a certain point, I had to break out of my own shell. And sometimes I dread going to networking events, but I pull myself out there. And when I'm there, I was like, oh my gosh, I'm so glad I went because I met this person. Right. So get yeah. coaching, community modules, networking. And the last thing is start building those relationships because you're going to start capital raising. If this is what you really want to do, uh, you're going to start raising capital from people. And it's better to be prepared and not have the opportunity than mm-hmm. have the opportunity and not be prepared. Yeah. So start you're telling your friends and families, hey, I'm in this business, so on and so forth. Um, I don't have a deal now, but you know, when time comes, I'd like to talk to you more about it. So yeah, um, but everything starts with the mind and everything starts with uh, you know the coaching and the community. So yeah, no, th- those are great points. Now, yeah. so so it seems that basically what you there's kind of like different uh I think ors is is the word that sometimes yeah, I yeah, in yeah. Right? Like you need to be kind of like you need to be really good at what you're doing. Yeah. But because of the limitations of because I feel like there's a big opportunity in the sophistication. Yeah. Like there's probably a lot of people competing for the accredited investors. And it's mm-hmm. so difficult to compete there, right? Like the budget for for that yeah. is just like are just yeah. immense. So it, it seems to me that the opportunity with the in the sophisticated investor space, and because mm-hmm. of those limitations, you also have to do a really good job of expand your network so that mm-hmm. you have proof that you knew them before. So is it something like, can you, if someone subscribed to your email list, can you market to them because they know you because they gave you their email? Is it like, what are the lines in yeah. that knowing them before the deal and knowing them before or after? We're a little bit unusual in our approach in that we don't really send newsletters. We don't, you know, send a lot of marketing. We don't really send marketing materials because the best way going back to knowing, liking, and trusting is face-to-face interaction. We meet with investors over coffee, over lunch, over dinner. Um, and then we just build relationship through that. And then we text them during the holidays um, that's the best way to to build the the the, the long term relationship that you want. Now, um, sure, you can you can send them emails, you can send them marketing materials, but I think that's still the best way that we found uh, is to build a face to face connection with people. Yeah. So, 
let's talk about that networking and those connections. Yeah. Um, yeah. How do you then, let's say you're at an event and someone asks yeah. you, hey, John, what do you do? What is your typical answer? Because we've been talking like now I'm understanding way more about what you do because I, I saw yeah. your, your other podcast. I saw your yeah. LinkedIn post and it's like, oh, it's cool that John is doing this. <laughs> I want to learn about that. Let's have a conversation. Yeah. But uh, in, in now I'm understanding more and more. We've been talking for an hour. Sometimes you yeah. don't have an hour to communicate that message. So yeah. when someone asks you, what do you do? What is your typical answer nowadays? I say that we help busy professionals get above average returns by investing in apartment buildings so they can do the things that they love with the people that they love. It's as simple as that. Yeah, that's a great line. And then do you have, I know I know from your website that you talk about oil and gas professionals and yeah. medical professionals. Mm -hmm. um, are there, a, in your experience so far, are there any people who are a best fit to work with you and to invest with you? Yeah, there are there are multiple avenues and and of course i've obviously we want to niche down so my wife is in the healthcare industry and i was an oil and gas professional um our niche is people who are as i alluded before busy professionals who don't have the time the experience the knowledge to invest in real estate people who have cash people who are paying too much in taxes and um people who want to diversify outside the stock market. So those are the four um, things that, uh, you know, our typical investor profile fall within those four buckets. And I wanted to mention also as well, it's like talking about the no liking and trust uh, piece is how do we connect with people? And the way we do that is it's three steps. So number one is we show that we're ordinary and i'll explain why second step is show that we are extraordinary and the third is to explain our why right ordinary means since we're talking about uh, target finish ordinary means hey i work an hourly wage i was on the shop floor as well i had a corporate job i worked 12 hours i was burnt out um you know i was broke i was depressed so depending on who I talk to, say, I feel your pain. I know what you're going through because I went through that as well. So that's the ordinary part. The extraordinary part is say, hey, you know what? The pain was so much that I had to take massive action. And this is what I did. I, you know, I read books. I set up this business. And then I set up this business. I invested in real estate. And then the third one is to share your why. Why are you doing this? And as I mentioned earlier, I truly believe that people can achieve financial independence way before 65 years old. That's number one. And the second reason is we want to, on the personal side, we want to make sure that our parents are covered when they get old and they don't have to worry about medical bills. So that's mm -hmm. really a, a big driving force for us. So we ordinary, extraordinary, and state your why. So you start with the other person's language, and then you end with your language. So, and that's how, um, yeah, we build relationships. Yeah, no, that makes a lot of sense, John. Yeah. Um, 
This has been a, a marvelous conversation. I, I have yeah. so many more questions about real estate <laughs> and, and investing, and but I want to be yeah. mindful of your time. Uh, yeah. Is there anything else you'd like to share? We'll share, we'll link to your website, we'll yeah. link to the checklist you mentioned. Is there anything yeah. else you'd like to share with the audience? Yeah, if, if I may uh, share as well. A lot of, when I was starting, I was surrounded by, uh, I was lucky enough to be surrounded by community uh, that helped me and, and taught me how to do things. But one other thing that I did was I read books. And one of the books that I read is called Passive, Passive Investing in Commercial Real Estate. It's $20 on Amazon, but I have a link. This is not my link. I'm just sharing it where you can just pay for shipping for five bucks and then you get the book. So uh, I'd like to share that with your viewers as well, because it, it eliminates all the jargons and it's very easy to read. It's a very thin book. Um, but yeah, I'd love to share that with your listeners. Yeah, absolutely. Well, we'll link to that in, in the yeah. checklist. John, thank you very much for being on the podcast. Yeah. What a, an insightful conversation yeah. and to everybody out there watching or listening. Thank you for being with us and we'll see you in the next episode.